0: Hi, I'm Joe Sheeran and welcome to The Dealmaker Series. This show highlights some of our most interesting deals by talking to the entrepreneurs and the dealmakers behind them. Today we're discussing Bridges Fund Management's investment into Talking Talent, a market-leading, multinational, inclusion and diversity consultancy. And I'm joined by Emma Thorne, a partner in Bridges' sustainable growth team, as well as Helen Roxburgh, the KPMG partner who advised Bridges on the deal. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Hi, Joe. Hi. Hi,
1: Jay. All good. Thank you.
0: Cheers. Thanks, Helen. So thank you both for joining us. Um, I'm really looking excited. I'm so excited for today. So I'm going to start with you, Emma. Um, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Bridges, as well as Talking Talent.
2: Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm a partner on the investment team at Bridges. Um, I've been working in private equity for more than 10 years now, the last six at Bridges. And before that, I was at a fund called Phoenix Equity Partners. I feel incredibly lucky to do a job that I'm passionate about. I've always loved working in private equity, and Bridges as a fund manager with a huge difference. For 20 years now, we've been at the forefront of pioneering a different way to think about investing, which is how private capital can be used to tackle the two biggest challenges of our generation, the climate crisis, and escalating inequality. And the way we do that is by investing in in and working with high-growth, purpose-driven businesses that, through their core business models, are targeting positive outcomes for people and planets. So I guess what I love about it is that by selecting our investments using that impact lens, we're backing the businesses that people want to buy from, work for, and invest in, which, as a result, drives great financial returns, really disproving that notion that was around a few years ago, that by doing the right thing for people and planet requires some sort of trade-off from shareholders. So at Bridges, we've raised over a billion pounds to date now, and we've got a portfolio of 13 investments within that sustainable growth fund strategy where I focus. And Talking Talent is one of the most recent. It's an investment that we made in September last year and that Helen supported us on. So Talking Talents are a leading diversity and inclusion consultancy business. They drive transformational, long-lasting organisational change and they work with a really impressive list of blue shirt clients, including KPMG, in Europe and in the United States. And the whole business has been been built around delivering positive outcomes, supporting the retention and progression of underrepresented talent, and building more inclusive and productive workplace cultures. So it's a really good example of our investment strategy. The clients are working with Talking Talent because of those very tangible and positive outcomes that they deliver.
0: Great. Thanks, Emma. I know. I was reading this great stat actually that um, working with one of our competitors, that they've actually increased the number of women returning to work, I think after parental leave by ninety-four percent. I mean, that's that stat is just stunning, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it's great. That that that's such a good example of what they do, um, and I've just been passionate about it since I first met them.
0: So, Helen, what's happening in the professional services sector at the moment? That you're finding interesting?
1: Yeah, so it's been really interesting, Jo. So as you'll know, clearly the global M&A market's been fantastically active over the last eighteen months or so, and we've seen a large number of transactions happening across the professional services sector, and that's even in some of the subsectors which haven't been particularly active over the last few years. So I'm thinking of things like legal services. So within professional services, consulting's been particularly active, with DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion consultancies growing in prominence in the market. So we've not only seen social, socio-political movements such as Black Lives Matter and Me Too spread awareness of DE&I issues, but we've also started to see a growing acceptance, acceptance that this isn't a tick box issue, and that if we get it right, it actually results in more successful and profitable businesses. And I guess we shouldn't forget that the FTSE 100 has eight female CEOs currently, and it has seven called Andrew. So that gives us some scope of the issue to deal with from here. Yeah. I suppose... One of the other factors that we've seen particularly impacting on professional services has been the impact of the pandemic and i know emma that's something we discussed during the talking talent process but obviously for d and i consultants how you deal with the move towards blended or virtual learning and i guess i speak for myself i'm very much enjoying being back in the office and spending time with colleagues and clients again but it feels like that's a trend that's going to continue um to be something that we see kind of evolve over the coming weeks and months as we all get back to something, hopefully a bit more normal.
0: So Emma, obviously, um, investing in Talking Talent was really exciting for Bridges. How did you decide it was right?
2: So I guess it really came down to, to, to three key things for us, uh, which was market, why they're different, um, and then most of, most importantly, people. So on the market side, um, the, the DE&I theme is, is one that we, we've been thinking about for a number of years now. Um, and, and as Helen said, this is now an absolute top board priority for so many Fortune 500 and FTSE 250 companies. And I guess at that level, what we saw in our DD was that the conversation has gone quite far beyond actually team diversity, more towards how organisations can really build um, and, and, and keep and instill a genuinely equitable and inclusive culture. Which has now got such a clearly evidenced business case and that has created a, a hugely exciting market opportunity the problem though is that many of the solutions out there just aren't providing tangible benefits and roi um, to the key stakeholders they're trying to benefit so we saw a survey that bcg did um, in the united states that showed that while a staggering 97 of the companies they surveyed do have diversity related programs only 25% of their employees representing diverse groups were actually feeling any personal benefits. And that's wow. because there isn't a silver bullet. That um, this needs real long-term, deep interventions to create real system change. And I guess that is what we what we really love about Talking Talents, um, which takes us onto that differentiated value proposition, because everything they do is about driving that systemic long-term approach to change with very clear and very measurable outcomes. So what they're doing, rather than providing the sort of the more tick-box, short-term um, solutions, is the large-scale, deep coaching programs for not only the underrepresented talent themselves, um, but also their leaders and their clients carry on working with them year after year because of the very tangible benef- uh, results and benefits that they're driving. So putting that together for Bridges, we get that really important lockstep between impact and performance, and that's is what creates such a strong fit with our investment ethos and our approach. And then on top of that, as I said, people. Um, So it's it's always all about the people. And for us, what we could see with Talking talents was that cultural alignment that we really need to see Um, and also that feeling that we could actually really support them and help them to grow their business. So we first met Chris and Joe, the founders, almost two years ago now. Um, and from those first meetings it really felt that there was a meeting of minds um, and a very sort of clear and shared philosophy for how we could together grow Talking Talent in a way that really enhances its impact rather than ever diluting it and there's some big opportunities that we're supporting them on now um, so partnerships acquisitions um, and further international expansion and continuing to develop their digital proposition uh, which are all areas that we've worked um, and helped our other investing companies and, with, um, and a really relevant in the case of Talking Talents case.
0: Great. Thanks, Emma. Sounds like a really great opportunity. So, Helen, just, just back over to you. Obviously, ESG principles are adding real value to deals. That's what we're seeing in the market. Can you just talk us through that a bit?
1: Yeah, definitely, Joe. So, I guess we've come from a place where perhaps kind of over the last kind of few, few years, maybe over the last 10 years or so, ESG was kind of referred to occasionally, but probably as something more as a tick box consideration rather than something that was genuinely given proper consideration. Um, I think we're at a point now where every single deal that we work on, ESG is being considered by every investor and every funder on every single deal. And it's no exaggeration to say that ESG can sometimes be the making or the breaking decision factor in whether to make an investment. I think this we're seeing this track through to valuations too. So there'd been a McKinsey survey last year of C-suite leaders and investment professionals in which the outcome of that was those C-suite leaders and investment professionals saying that they would be prepared to pay a 10% premium to acquire a business with a positive ESG record. So not only is this something that's being been consideration, but it's actually tracking through to value. So that while was 10, purpose 10 percent Yeah, 10 percent, wow. um, which is you know pretty meaningful in the context of the kind of deals that we're working on. So you know, while it's fair to say that purpose and impact funds have been for, around for a while, the focus on ESG is just becoming increasingly mainstream. I guess we shouldn't forget Emma that Bridges was one of the first movers in identifying the importance of supporting this transition to a more inclusive and sustainable economy, so well done for that.
0: Forerunners, for sure.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Ellen.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about the deal itself. And obviously, when you're actually selling a business, it's never straightforward. So Emma, over to you. What were some of the challenges around this deal?
2: Um, well, I think, again, um, so much of it comes down to people. So this was one of the biggest attractions for us at Talking Talent. Um, but it was an area that we just had to be absolutely sure um, where we were aligned with the team um, uh, in terms of the culture they're building um, and their strategic priorities ahead of investing. So that that that, that was our, our, our key area of focus. We spent a huge amount of time with the team ahead of um, completing the investments. That was sort of right from the early stages um, before they even had an advisor appointed right through the DD stages uh, up to completion. Um, and that wasn't just with the management team and the founders, but it was right through organization, including lots of the coaches themselves, which were really um, inspiring and and enjoyable conversations. I would never say it was a a challenge, but it was definitely um, an important area of focus, and it helped us to get off to a really good start post-deal. I think another area to to pull out was really making sure we understood the U.S. market context. So there are business two-thirds U.K., one-third U.S. currently, clearly a huge market opportunity in the U.S., but with some very different drivers, and quite a nuanced customer context, despite fundamentally setting the same proposition. Um, so we, we were able to work with our colleagues in the US, um, the Bridges team out there, just to make sure we were fully up to speed with both aspects of the business um, and, and, and really understood that context.
0: Just a little question for me on that, Emma. How is the US different to the UK from a coaching consultancy perspective?
2: Well, the way... Um, their customers are procuring some of their services, sometimes coming from from a different part of the business. Um, So in the US, uh, a a part of it is benefits driven actually, um, as opposed to sort of HR and talent functions. So just really understanding that 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 side was a key part of it. Um, And also the way coaching is perceived in the US um, can be slightly different. So whilst in the UK, you are effectively sort of a coach. You will be selected um, by their managers to go for a program. Often in the US, it's an opt in system, which again creates a slightly different go to market um, approach as to how they recruit in the first place. Right. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it?
0: We speak the same language, but.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's, there's so many more differences. In some ways, more different than we are similar.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And Helen, from from your perspective, what was special about this deal?
2: Well, it might
1: sound a bit flippant, but to me, it was unusual and a real treat to work with a female principal client in Emma. So I think, Emma, when we look back across the combined bridges and KPMG team, I think we were reasonably diverse, actually, both you know gender diverse and um, ethnically diverse. And although that certainly wasn't an intentional move, it did make me realise that we are making progress in terms of the diversity of the deals market, although... Perhaps not as quickly as I might like. So, kind of looking back, kind of think, when I started my career in corporate finance, it probably took me several years before I came became before I came across a female in a senior role. And I'm pleased to say that that's not quite so unusual now. We're making progress. Um, <laughs> we are. Just maybe, maybe you'd like to be nice to get there a bit more quickly. Um, I think the other point, which I suspect many you probably share the share the same view, is. It was really nice to work on a transaction which related to something I feel really passionate about so no offense to all the widget manufacturers I might have worked with previously but I feel like I've been a direct benefit of programs like the one Talking Talent delivers and I'm really focused on making sure that others get to experience something like that too so maybe working with Bridges on this has, has helped a little bit in um, sharing some of this experience and um, uh, some of the ideas with um, with the broader female population of the world to try and move us in the right direction. Good to hear. (laughs)
0: And Helen, was there any specifics around working with a diverse team that made it different?
1: Yeah, I suppose one of the points that um, I'm always talking about is there is no point having diversity for diversity's sake. This is about having different ways of thinking about things. And I think that the fact that we had a diverse mix of people on the team meant that perhaps we brought diversity of thought to the way that we approach the opportunity as well and I think that's really important when you give good advice to a client you want to make sure that you're thinking about all the different angles and I know there were a few uh, times Emma when your team and our team were able to have kind of quite interesting debates around some of the points that you were working through on the deal which perhaps if we'd all come from exactly the same background and had exactly the same history we wouldn't have had that richness of discussion
2: yeah no it's so true Great. I so it's 11 p.m. Friday conversations well, Helen. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I remember them well. <laughs> Over a glass of wine, maybe. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. So just rounding up the section, it would be great to hear from both of both of you, just in regards to what key lessons you've learned as, as a part of this deal. Emma, do you want to kick off?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm gonna continue on the on, on, on the people theme. Um, and I think the key lesson for me is is investing the time and developing as a new team post transaction so it, it's quite easy to sort of slip into the mentality that having spent a lot of times together pre-deal you can then just run straight into 100 day plan and that really intense strategic planning phase um, but actually there is so much to be said for taking a step back um, and actually you know properly contracting with each other as a new shareholder and management team and really working out what your new working relationship is going to look like and what your shared expectations of each other are. And I think with Talking Talent, as a group of occupational psychologists and professional coaches, they have been particularly good at this. Um, there's definitely learnings that we've taken um, from that first three months that we're going to apply to our other portfolio companies that have been really effective.
0: Can you get a bit more specific on that in terms of learnings? <laughs>
2: Um, I think it's just what I said, it's just actually spending a bit of time talking about what you want from the new relationship, how you're going to work together um, uh, in in, in quite a practical way, rather than just going straight into the sort of, here are our top five priorities, let's go.
0: Let's get on with it. So more like an open communication, collaborative type. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks, Emma. And you, Helen?
1: Yeah, and I'd probably echo that from a slightly different perspective, really. So, you know, from the outside in Emma, I could see how much time you spent with Chris and Joe in particular, and I could see how important it was on both sides that you um could form that good working relationship and that you both knew almost what what you were getting yourself into in terms of the ongoing relationship because you will spend, you know, a lot of time working together um, over the next over the next few years. Um I suppose my perspective on it was sometimes it's really easy to just put your head down and crack on with an M&A process and you kind of fall into the trap of thinking about process and work streams and actions and actually a deal like this comes along and it makes you remember that the most important part of any deal is always the relationships and how you form those um, kind of, as you say, Emma, both before the transaction and then you know, equally importantly post-transaction when you're working together in such a close way. So... We're just going to pause there and and just have a, go into a bit more
0: personal, learn a bit bit, bit more about yourself, Emma and, and Helen, just with some some questions. So, Helen, what do you know now that you wish you had known when you started out?
1: So, I've got two points really. So, the first one was I'd like to go back and tell my junior style starting off my corporate finance career, that there will be more women. You will come across more women. So, I'm pleased to uh, know that that's been the case. I think the second point I'd make was, um, and this sounds a bit flippant, but how fast time flies when you're having fun and how quickly your career goes by. One tip I always give to new joiners to the team, and perhaps if they're listening to this, they'll be nodding in recognition, is to start a list right at the start of your career of all the transactions you work on. So when I first started, I thought I'll never forget any transaction that I've worked on. They're all going to stay absolutely front of mind. And then here we are 20 years further on, and I suspect I might have forgotten one or two along the way. So I really wish i made a list.
0: So you can enjoy them. Under, Absolutely. In the retrospect,
1: yeah.
0: Right. Absolutely. So Emma, who in your career has been most influential?
2: Uh, well, I'm going to go for most influential and then also most supportive. Um, so I think the most influential, and I don't know whether he'll be surprised here or not, but I'd say actually my, my boss at Phoenix Equity Partners, David Burns. Um, so this is my first experience of working in, in private equity. And, and he really taught me that you can combine passion, integrity and having fun with making good investments. Um, and they are just such important values that have kept me going since um, and, and really set me up well. And I'm also gonna be cheesy and just say from a supportive perspective, um, definitely my husband and my two kids. My eight year old has an insatiable thirst of wanting to know more about the companies that I work with um, and just love talking about them, which is very sweet and makes the end of the day a bit better.
0: (laughs) Something to talk about over the dinner table.
2: (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Excellent. Love it. Helen, how about you? So I'm not going to name check one individual, but I am going to talk about um, my fellow KPMG corporate finance partners many of whom I've worked with for most of my career. So I suppose one of the points that um, I I always maybe think slightly differently from others is is this assumption that a role model needs to look like you. And I don't think that's the case. Um, I think a number of my male colleagues have acted as mentors to me during my career. And I'd like to think that that's brought a different perspective and challenge to the way that I've thought about my career and the direction I've taken. And I think the feedback from them as well is actually their interactions with me have maybe helped them think about things a little bit differently as well. So I would just say, you know, role models don't always have to have had exactly the same story as you. And it's, it's sometimes useful to have that different perspective that can really influence you as well. So true. So Emma,
0: back to you. What have you read or listened to recently that inspired you?
2: Um, well, I am currently reading um, a really gripping and inspiring book, um, and this is an unashamed shout out for a great friend of mine's husband who wrote it. Um, it's called Bring Back Our Girls, and it's an account of the kidnapping and rescue of the Chibok girls in Nigeria in 2014. Um, oh, wow. Just quite, quite an incredible account. Um of uh, female solidarity um and the international rescue effort that went into to finding them so i'm looking forward to finishing that next week on holiday
0: yeah great great i'm going to write that one down because <laughs> i definitely want to read that one <laughs> how about you helen
1: so i'm going to sound very uncultured compared to emma when i when i tell you my answer but i think a couple of weeks ago i was just flicking through tv channels as you do kind of to, to fill the time and um, between finishing work and going to bed Um, And I came across a TV programme called Learning to Read at 51 with Jay Blades. So I don't know if you've come across Jay Blades, but he's the presenter of The Repair Shop on BBC, which I'm sure most of you have heard of. And I had actually no idea until I watched the programme that he couldn't read. He's severely dyslexic. um, And that's something that wasn't actually diagnosed through his whole time at school. So he left school, unable to read. And he actually... um, enrolled as a mature student at university in his thirties. And that was when it was picked up that he was dyslexic. And um, he's now 51, so 20 years further on. And um, after six months of going through a programme, which I think is particularly used in, in prisons where there's a large proportion of the population who are unable to read, he, w- he got to the point where he was able to read his daughter, who I should point out is now 16. Um, a bedtime story and that was something you'd always wanted to do and just had never been able to do it and I think that really brought home to me firstly, how lucky I am not to struggle with things like that so reading is just something I've always taken for granted never given it a second thought and I suppose the second point that that made me think about was maybe you're never too old to learn something new and maybe I should challenge myself to uh, come up with something if Jay can learn to read at 51 I'm sure I can learn to play the piano or something in my 40s. What's it going to be, Helen? (laughs) Well, good question. Maybe that's one for the next podcast, Jay. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'll keep, I'll come back
0: to you. So um, we're just coming to the end and I just thought it'd be great
1: if both of you could just outline what your advice to future sellers might be. So I've got two points. Maybe one is slightly more biased than the other. So my first one would be to make sure you do the prep properly. Um, It's something that, I always say to clients right at the start of a process but I think doing that prep early on really does pay dividends both in terms of uh, speed of execution further through the process but also in terms of maximizing value it's always better to pick things up while they're under your control rather than having them brought to your attention by a buyer of the business in the at some point during the process and obviously the second point which as I mentioned is slightly more biased that it Always helps to make sure you've got a great financial advisor on board. So give me a ring.
0: <laughs> Self plugging there. Quite. Emma, have you got anything, to add?
2: Yeah, I think my advice having, you know, we, we obviously, the market's incredibly hot at the moment, and um, you know, that there's so many exciting businesses thinking about what their options are, um, and what what kind of, you know, investor or or partner they want. And I think just really doing the work up front to identify what you're looking for from that investor or acquirer or partnership is so important. There are so many different and brilliant options out there um, that can bring very different things, um, you know, whether that's, you know, from a kind of hands-on value creation perspective, um, right through to kind of culture and alignment of values, but just kind of really knowing yourself and knowing what what you want for your business um, will just help make that process so much smoother and easier and and create the right conversations to be having uh, from, from the beginning.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. And how far in advance do you think companies if they're looking for investment should start chatting with potential investors?
2: I think the earlier the better because again i think those, those early conversations are just such a good education process to start to work out what you want because you won't know um at the beginning what's out there um and, and so that, that that will have a huge amount of influence i think on that final decision so yeah get out there meet lots of different really different options um and then you can make that very informed decision at the right time but it's not just about a beautiful I am and great financial information it's it, it, it's so much more about that
0: great thanks emma i guess people will be picking the phone up to you now so uh, <laughs> watch his face <laughs> okay. so, I so. Okay. so just in the end I, i'd love to hear what exciting plans are for talking talent in the future
2: oh we're, we're just yeah we're so excited i think you know ultimately this is this is at its core all about talking talent scaling and developing their programs and, and sending them um, so that ultimately they can reach more people um, and, and have a deeper impacts. But um, I think right now, the, the really exciting point is then what we're going to do from a talent perspective to achieve that. So we've got some really exciting hiring plans, um, and that's going to be a you know, big area of focus for us in the near term. So yeah, people and talent.
0: Brilliant. Definitely a theme for this podcast, I think. People and talent. Um, Thank you so much, Helen and, and Emma. I mean, it's just been great to be online with two amazing women and what great insights too. Just thank you so much. So that's all we have time for today. And thanks for all your support today. See you soon.